I hope you all are having a wonderful day. <clears throat> My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. And uh, as you all know, uh, as Britannia, big, t- Britannia's big heart knows, uh, I am here with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Claude Anderson is the author of the books Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, Dirty Little Secrets, and the Black History Reader. And uh, we were a couple minutes late on the start of the live stream, mainly because we wanted to, uh, he and I are, are real friends, and I love this man immensely. He, he is a relative for me. So every time before we meet, I always like to spend a few minutes talking to Dr. Anderson to uh, just figure out how he's doing and everything else, and then we go live. So I apologize for being a couple minutes late. But uh, without further ado, I'd like to ask my friend, Dr. Anderson, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well, very well. I'm still feeling comfortable with the belief that someday I'll grow up and be just like you. <laughs> well, you don't want to be just like me. That'll be bad for your health. <laughs> so, uh, do- so Dr. Anderson, uh, his website is powernomics.com, by the way. And uh, if you haven't taken a look at powernomics.com, I highly recommend it. Uh, as the holidays come up, I encourage you to consider uh, buying productive gifts uh, for your family instead of just, you know, buying toys and things that they're not going to use six months from now. How about giving them, uh, how about giving them some uh, knowledge? Uh, how about giving them some black wealth? Uh, as a gift, something that's going to stay in them. So I encourage you to give productive gifts. Uh, like you saw at our wedding, we gave away copies of Powernomics because I wanted you all to get something from the experience, not just a show. Well, uh, feel free to go to Powernomics.com and buy some copies of the books for your family and give them away. They may not read them right away, but but at least they'll know what you stand for and what you believe in. So uh, Powernomics.com is the website. Now, Dr. Anderson, let me ask you this. We um uh, around in these spaces, uh, a lot of folks have been really talking a lot about the Joe Biden administration and um, <clears throat> what's going on with the pandemic and the pandemic, uh, which which is something I, I'm going to really have our experts also dig into at the All Black National Convention. It's really had a huge impact on the politics and the economics for black folks uh, right now. As of just yesterday, uh, Joe Biden announced that any anybody who works with the federal government, even as a contractor, cannot have a job anymore uh, because it, unless they, if, if they refuse to get the shot uh, and uh, we don't say that V word because they, they have censored that word. If you say that word, then, um, then they'll, they'll take the video down. So we're not, so I'm not going to say the V word, but you know what I mean when I say the shot. Now I haven't told anybody whether they should get the shot or not. I, I don't believe in that, but black folks are kind of in a tough situation, uh, almost like an economic state of emergency because millions of black folks work for the federal government. Uh, millions of black folks work for contractors for the federal government, and they're not going to get that shot, which means that that as corporations start excluding people who don't have the shot, it's going to exclude black folks from these jobs that they come to depend on. And that made me think about you, because you've always said anyway, that we need to stop depending on jobs from other people anyway, that instead of just aiming for jobs, we need to build businesses and build industry. So I'd like to just start there and, and, um, and get your thoughts on the current political environment we're in. And how this fits into, you know, a powernomics uh, philosophy. Oh, it fits perfectly. The thing is that, unfortunately, we are, we are real late. And I hopefully not too late. Because I started stressing this way back in the 1960s in the civil rights movement. That the worst thing you can do is keep depending on, on your enemy or the people who care, who are totally indifferent to you. And who would like to see you removed, being removed. I told them back in 1960, at that time, they were trying to push integration. I told them that, I said, look, 90, and by that time it was almost 98% of all the whites in America were totally opposed to freeing blacks and slaves. Now, almost 100 years later, by the, by the uh, 1960s, 
and over a hundred year period, that amount of hatred they that whites felt for black folk and dependence and 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 the need for black to want to be around black folk or have black folk in uh, in a mix with them had decreased only ten percent out of a hundred. It was down to eighty eight percent. That means that eighty eight percent of the white folk right now they don't give a damn about black folk. They I told blacks and told them that and told them you keep depending on somebody that has no has no interest in you. Period. And I told them that when in the Constitution, the first, when the Constitution was ratified in 1789, one year later, first thing they did was pass an immigration and naturalization law, which says if we're going to be dependent on anybody, we'll bring in a management class and an ownership class into this country. That's why they started bringing in all these poor Europeans into the, into this country. They came over here to be the owners of businesses and to be managers in those businesses. They didn't come over here to get jobs for black folk. Nobody is coming to America to get jobs for black folk. They're coming over here to compete with you. And I said, and I said, what you got to do as quickly as you can is re- go back, go back and rebuild your own communities, rebuild your own communities, and build your own businesses. I said, back in the 1950s, that's what that's where you went wrong when you start pushing social integration and trying to socially integrate black communities. You destroyed black communities. Whites outsmarted you. They took the nineteen and the the, uh, the uh, Eisenhower Act of the night of nineteen fifty five and used that to, uh, to 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 do social integration by coming up with a highway system. They used those highways to drive a highway through every black community in America, and they and with the intent of destroying them. They didn't drive them through the residential; they drove them through the heart of the black community to make sure they took you out. And now now you now you're dependent on them for food, clothes, everything you need. You got to go to a white business either in, a, in an old black neighborhood or you got to go to the suburbs and black folk, you're totally dependent. I told them then and see, and, and, and here we are now, almost exactly where we were at the end of the civil war, black folk right now, own, um, about, about 68% of all the black folk in America, have got some job on government, on the government payroll, particularly the federal level. That's what they're doing on the payroll. 68% sitting up on the, on the government payroll just like you still like you out on a plantation and picking cotton, still waiting on the master to come out and bring a ham bone or a corn cob for you to suck on to get to get your nourishment from it, because he ain't gonna feed you. He only spends, he only allows fifteen dollars for a year to feed a black slave. And then you and, and out of that sixty-eight percent of black folk that are working in some level of government, federal, state, county government, or school teaching, you got another twenty, about another twenty-three percent of the blacks in America are sitting up on this on the uh, on the corporate payroll. Wait, we're working for white corporations. They haven't got any black businesses in the in 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 in, in, in the country. And so those sixty-eight working working strictly in white in white businesses, I mean white government, and now the other twenty-three percent is working someplace uh in, in white corporations, depending on a paycheck from them. You only got two percent of blacks in America working in their own communities, in their own businesses, for their own people. So they put themselves in a position of being wiped out and annihilated. And right now, that's on the schedule. And by the year 20, uh, 2040 or 2045, they plan on wiping black folks off the face of the earth because of all these other immigrants coming in here. As I told you, that 1890 integration law, nationalization law, they are planning on constantly inputting those people into this country, a continuous inflow to replace you you're down to nothing now. You're, you're outnumbered 10 to 1. And, he, and you got these sorry Sambos working for the government around them, talking about 
we got to have a right to vote. Voting ain't worth a damn. Voting had no power in voting. You out number 10 to 1, which means every vote you cast, you got you got your opponents of people against you who hate you and despise you. That 88% of white folks don't want to give you any reparations or anything. They want you to disappear off the face of the earth. And so right now, you didn't follow the things. I said, the other option was get you, get you a national black party and, and, and organize that, come together and get away from both political parties. The Democrats don't care about you and the Republicans don't care. So Biden don't give a damn about you, just like Obama didn't give a damn about you. And you, you're still sitting there waiting on them to do something for you. I don't see very much hope. So this is, this is 2021. And in 20 years, when, when all these immigrants coming in here, from, from Afghanistan and from Asia, they're going to get together just like the Hispanics did. They're going to get together and surpass you. That's why Hispanics surpass you in the year twenty, in the year 2000. 20, now, now you, where are you now? You're now an underclass. And, and, these, His, and these Asians and, and Arabs, they're going to get together and bind and make you not only third-class citizens, they're going to make you fourth-class citizens. You haven't got a snowball's chance in hell unless you go back and start building communities immediately, get out of both of these parties and start building communities. And I can change the kind of industries to go into what you should be doing and hire your own people. Quit letting these civil rights organizations saying, we're going to train you for a job. They don't need a job. They need money and wealth. It's too late. If you're going to get them a job, they had full-time employment doing slavery. What they need now is wealth, money. And, if, and, the, and the Biden administration going to give you anything. They've snowballed you already and used you to put, put, get into the office and have us mention your black, the word black out of their mouths in nine months. And so when and this is September, so when I, I, November comes, that'll be a year. They haven't done a single thing for black folk, and they're not going to do it for you. I'm yeah, sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I, I, was, I was listening. I know everybody's listening. And in case you just came in, I'm talking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books Powernomics and Black Labor, White Wealth. Um, in case y'all don't know, we're actually reading Black Labor, White Wealth right now in the, in the book club. Uh, we are on page 62, and we are going uh, paragraph by paragraph every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, so if you want to join uh, that book club, it is something that is free. Uh, from the Black Business School. You can register at blackkeystogreatness.com. That's blackkeystogreatness.com. Also, Dr. Anderson's website where you can get his books and, and everything else is powernomics.com. There's the URL. Please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Also, share this video because uh, we need to build Black-owned media. We need to develop infrastructure. Infrastructure is what allows you to fight system against system. You can't have uh, individuals fighting systems. You can't have one man black leadership. You must have structured institutional leadership, which means developing systems. It means developing businesses. It means developing institutes. It means developing all kinds of organizations, schools, all sorts of things that you have that allow you to have that infrastructure and processes that will allow you to fight back. So uh, this media platform is part of that so I hope that you will share this video and help us grow this platform because it's really important. So, uh, and by the way, I want to say thank you to Black Mama. I see your donation. She says, much love, Dr. Boyce and Dr. Anderson. Well, we love you too. So let me, um, let me, let me uh, and, and, I, and we're going to actually circle back around in terms of what America owes Black folks, you know, because Dr. Anderson, you know, a lot of times uh, we get into a cycle of looking at a Joe Biden and, and saying, okay, we all voted for you. You were pressuring black folks were pressuring each other to go vote for Biden. You know, they were getting people were shaming each other. They were doing what I call voter shaming, where they were basically attacking them and saying, 
well, if you don't vote for Biden, then you must you must you know be a Trump supporter. Or if you if you don't vote, then you don't count, right? And and, and that's um, abusive behavior. It's racist behavior. It is oppressive behavior. It is unacceptable behavior because you are infringing on another American's right to freedom of expression. So with that said, now that Biden's in office, uh, we we remember before the election that black folks had leverage. You had people like yourself. Uh, that was talking to to different administrators, different politicians and saying, we want to build a high speed railway. Uh, black folks need to be part of a multi-billion dollar project that will help to develop economic infrastructure for the black community. Now uh, that they, they got what they wanted, they're not they're not calling you back. Buttigieg, uh, Biden, none of those people are, are even taking your calls because they don't have to anymore. Uh, when I talked to Ice Cube, Ice Cube before the election, Ice Cube had leverage. He was leading a great movement. In terms of telling them, look, if you want black people to vote for you, you need to give us something out of the deal. He got pushed back from a lot of black people and a lot of white liberals who uh, basically want to maintain the status quo. Well, I want everybody to listen. Let me give you an update. I asked Ice Cube, I said, has the Biden administration reached out to you at all since the election happened because before before the election they said, "Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about all that after the election. We'll talk about that after the election." <laughs> I asked him. I said, "Right, which is a sucker's move. I mean, you got to be a complete sucker to fall for that." And Ice Cube's not a sucker. He knew that what they were trying to do, and <laughs> and he just needed more support from the community. Right. Well, I, I asked him. I said, "Have they reached out to you?" He said, "No." So so that's what happens when people use you and get what they want. These politicians, especially, they're not going to circle back around and pay you for something that you gave them for free. Only a complete fool will go and pay for something that you gave them for free. So you gave your vote away for nothing. So, Dr. Anderson, I want to ask you this. It, you know, it's one thing for us to notice that we got played like suckers. I, I think we can agree. Everybody who agrees with what I just said, type the word sucker in the chat. Let me know we're on the same page. I feel like we got suckered in, in this last election. Uh, it's one thing for us to observe the fact that we got suckered. It's another thing to say, this is how we move forward. This is what we want next time. This is how we're going to handle things this time. So in terms of what we should look for, Dr. Anderson, and I know that you actually have been filing lawsuits on behalf of black folks uh, based on um, the 1866 Indian Treaty and some other things that, that people should know about. What should we be aiming for kind of going forward so we can uh, not be played as suckers in the future? Well, first, first, let me, let me respond to what you just said uh, about uh, about the Biden election. What, you're still not out of the game. What you have to do is start trying to hold them accountable, Doc. By holding them accountable, that means what you do is to say, OK, fine, you tricked us. We're going to trick you back. We're going to do what, what we should have been doing for start doing what you've been doing for us. You've been screwing over us and boycotting us for, for, for 465 years. I've never, never seen a white person drive into a black neighborhood on a given day, a given evening, going to get out of his car and driving, going to a black store and buy something manufactured and produced by a black person. Whites and Asians, Arabs, Hispanic, American Indians not coming off in a reservation. Everybody is boycotting you. If they're boycotting you, you start boycotting them back. That's what that's how you pay back to Biden. Please say, okay, fine. You screwed over us and boy and misled us. We're gonna we're gonna have a national call for a national boycott. And if I show up at one of your programs, that's what I'll be calling from from the stage. Call for a national boycott and say, you, I don't even want to call it boycotting. I'll call it withholding your, expense, your money. Withhold your money from them. Don't let them have it. Right now, white folk are living off of two incomes. That's why they treat you like you're an animal, because they hold off of two. You t- they, get, they get 100% of their money. 
every nickel that whites earn every day. They keep it in their communities, in their schools, in their buildings, in their everything, in their neighbor, in their neighborhoods and communities. They don't put any money in your neighborhoods and your communities. And yet we you go you put 98 cents out of every dollar that goes into a black hand in America. 98 out of out of every dollar, 98 cents out of every dollar is delivered right back to white hands. That, and that's usually within about 24 hours. What black folk need to start doing is say, no, we're gonna withhold our money. We're gonna put a we're gonna put a check mark on every paper dollar or five dollar, ten dollars, or a hundred dollar bill that we got. And we're gonna not let one of them leave our hands or leave our communities until we got until we got 12 check marks on it. We're gonna make every dollar bounce eight to 12 times in black hands in a black business, a black store before it leaves the black community. That's how you hold people accountable. When somebody sells you out and sucker you that you just got through saying they sucker you, you sucker them back. What did he sucker you for? He sucked you for your vote, but, but you got him beat. You know why? Vote has no power, no wealth. It's the money behind it that has the wealth. I told you in a five-story building, the first floor is always economics. The second floor is politics. The third floor, again, is the legal system, court system. You on the second floor with your money. Just don't take your money down to the first floor into, into white businesses and white communities or Asian communities or Hispanic communities or anybody else's community. You can put your money in your own community and tell your own people, I'm going to hold you accountable just like I'm going to hold whites accountable. And you're gonna, and I'm going to put my money in black businesses. And in a black business, you tell him, if you own this black business, I want you to clean it up, get it straight up, put some protection here, some lighting. And, and bring your prices down or to make some sense that we can afford buying, put our money into your store as soon as you possibly can. I know you can't do it immediately, but we're going to give you about six months to clean up this place, get it nice, and change your negative, nasty attitude about black folk coming into your store. So as soon as somebody comes into you, your store, if you're black, rush to the door and be just nice as you can be, almost bow to them, say, welcome to my store. Bring your money here anytime. I'm going to give you the best service, the best products I can get. And as I improve with my money and, and resources, I'm going to improve with the quality of stuff, of the money and the goods that I'm going to be selling to you. That's how you get them back. Because, see, white folks, got a, they got, a, they got a, a, a code right now with a quota system on integration. Whites will not go over 6% on anything. And then right now we've, had, we've over-integrated with this already, you know, uh, in, in some of the businesses, the 6%. And, and black folks are still most segregated now than they were in 1954. They will not let anything become majority because whites want to always be in the majority so they can dominate and control you. You cannot integrate a black uh, white neighborhood for more than 6% going in. You cannot integrate any, any organization for more than 6%. You cannot over integrate a, a school over 6% with blacks in it. Whites will move out. They'll move out and move their kids out of the school and move out of the neighborhood. Please tell them, tell my people, quit playing the game. And I told you, build your own communities, buy your, produce your own services, goods, product, store everything you got that's important in your communities where you can control it. And then you build, then you put a canopy over it. And that, that, that canopy is called a sense of protection that, and, that, and, and a sense of individualism, exceptional. We're exceptional people. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're not letting anybody be us any, anymore. Mm. Uh, everybody, uh, take a second, please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. I want to say uh, thank you to my Ra. I see your donation. Thank you very much for supporting the platform. Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, his website is powernomics.com. That's where you can find all his books. And uh, and I've been mentioning to all of you that as uh, the holidays come up, 
uh, I hope you will consider giving your family education uh, and knowledge uh, as a Christmas gift, as opposed to just toys or clothes or things that are going to uh, that they're going to throw in the trash in a few months anyway. Uh, also, shares of stock. Shares of stock will make a great gift for your kids. So be very conscious. Consciousness means thinking through your decisions. Consciousness means uh, I'm going to process what I'm doing with my dollars. Uh, you must engage in economic consciousness. So I encourage you to use that during the holidays because they're going to engage in a lot of unconscious ways of getting your money. Okay. Uh, also, Dr. Anderson is going to join us at the All Black National Convention. Uh, he's going to come in via, via satellite, but we've got a lot of other great experts that are coming together and we're there to solve problems. Uh, we, we don't care if you're a celebrity or not. We are looking for black folks that want a better future. So we're going to be in Orlando at the end of October, October 29th through November 1st. You can go to allblacknationalconvention.com if you are a problem solver, if you want to build a better community. We're going to talk about building a black political party. We're going to talk about uh, developing more black owned business. We're going to talk about training millions of our kids uh, to be business owners in the future. Uh, we are solving those problems and we would love for you to join us. So go to allblacknationalconvention.com so we can get this done. Okay, so Dr. Anderson, let me ask you a uh, can you tell us about uh, this lawsuit? Uh, you sent it over to me and I'm reading it here. And uh, it's the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, Harvest Institute, Freedman Federation, LLC, uh, Leatrice Tanner Brown uh, against, uh, it looks like against the United States. And uh, it, so this lawsuit was filed uh, with regard to uh, something that involves uh, Native Americans and uh, or Indians and, and or whichever t- term people want to use. Uh, and, uh, and you're saying that black folks are owed something uh, for old treaties where black folks were uh, were pushed out, where Indians uh, were not necessarily always our friends, that they owned slaves and, and that there were uh, strategic efforts, sneaky little efforts, dirty little secrets that they don't teach in school that were used uh, to exclude black folks from getting the same rights, privileges, and benefits in land that has been given to Native Americans around the country. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yes, I will. And as a matter of fact, let me try to put it. Let me try to put it to you again in a way and in a manner that that black folk all over this country will know forever what the real issue was. There are certain things that black folk would never explain to black folk, like for instance, that there is two constitutions. This is tremendously important. I've never heard anybody tell black folk there are two constitutions. You got two, con- the first constitution is the one I hear black folk talking about. The, the white folk promised that they promised that. White folk never promised black folk a damn thing. They never promised you anything. The first constitution is, is everything from the, from, from, the, from the first amendment in the constitution to the 12th. That was for anybody, anybody. That's what, it's, what I told about the immigration laws. Anybody who was invited to come to America, was, it was fell under that first constitution. That's amendment one through 12. All their rights were, were automatic. The minute they came into the United States, well, they sneaked in at night or walked across in the daytime and became a, into the United States. They were entitled to the Fifth Amendment. That's where whites and all these other groups, Asians, Arabs, and everybody's got their rights under the Fifth Amendment and the first Constitution. But we got two constitutions. The second one is from the 13th Amendment up, uh, all the way up to the, to the 15th Amendment and the Civil Rights Laws. Make sure you understand that's the first thing. Understand that. There are two constitutions. Now, let's watch this game and see what happens. Now, now, when this country was first examined, and, and people started exploring it and coming in and landing, and bringing in various people to looking for what they call the American dream, looking for free land and, and as much as they can get. That's, that's what the Puritans came here for. And the colonists came in looking for free land and free resources. Now, 
That stayed true into, un, into, until about 1516. I want to keep everybody's attention on this now. On 1516, at the first treaty passed was called the New York Treaty. That was passed in 1516. Uh, and it was and it was strictly between Indians and whites because whites had discovered that they wanted to take over all this land in America. So they signed the first treaty with with Indians. And that was what they call the five when they went to five civilized tribes. Then that was the biggest tribe, like the Cherokee, Choctaw, and the Mohawks. They signed those treaties, which says that that <clears throat> we'll give you clothes, food, weapons, tools, and everything you need, and show you how to become farmers rather than hunters. If you just join with us, because what we and our intent is to enslave black folk and come up with a labor class that we want that we can all make profits off of. That was in the fifth. That was in the 1516 with the New York Treaty that stayed true. So the country of these I see these books all the time about 16, well, 1620, the first slave. That's a lot. Say in 1620, that was not when the first slaves came into America. They keep writing these stupid books and people keep buying them and think about it. that was. And the first slaves at sixteen twenty ship that arrived, that did not bring in slaves. Most of those blacks on that on that ship was not slaves. Those are just blacks being brought in. We did not have slavery in this country until sixteen thirty seven and thirty eight, and that came through through the state of Maryland. And that was called the doctrine of exclusion. The doctrine of exclusion, because at that point in time, blacks uh, blacks and whites were getting along pretty well. They were all free. There were no slaves at that point in time. And but but in sixteen but in eighteen thirty six, at that time white folk then decided that what we like to do is use these people since we talk everybody's talking about it, and we let let let, let these black folk be their primary goal be to provide comfort and uh, and and wealth and and power building for whites period and uh, and but never be permitted to enjoy the fruits of white society. That's what that was a that was a doctrine that was put out in about 1836 and 37. And so by, 19, by 1838, that's when they started, that was the first doctrine that was passed to start talking about enslaving. But the slaving process still in, was not official until about three years later in 1842. In 1842, a black guy who came into this country, a black man came in from England and he wanted, he brought a couple of people with him. And when they started talking about enslaving, Enslavement, he says, well, maybe I got I brought two blacks from 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 England with me. He said, I'm gonna enslave them. And this and uh <clears throat> and so he this and a white guy told him, say, Yeah, you can you can enslave those people. And he enslaved, that was the first person to ever enslave black enemy in America, was a black man. He did it against his own people he had brought in from England. And that's and so 1842, that's when slavery was officially announced in this country. Now, now watch this track now. I got two tracks. One track now is for blacks and one is for Indians. Now, Indians were already being approached by whites in the 1516 in the New York Treaty and said, we'll give you everything you want. Just help us maintain slavery. And so the Indians want to know, what should we do? All I want you to do uh, is to chase them down, bring them back, help us keep them contained and under control. That's what the Indians got paid for. And say, if we do that, we'll take good care of you. And that was, and so what they did, they just, and as a matter of fact, not only will we take care of you, but if you help us keep maintain slavery, and this was the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians and Creek Indians, you help us keep these blacks, in, and it was we'll pay you, we'll pay you twenty five dollars for every black that runs away. You bring him back, and if you bring him back, we'll give you twenty five dollars. If you can't bring him back alive, bring him back dead with a scalp, we'll we'll, we'll give you twenty dollars. And that's so that point, that's where the Indians start becoming enslaving black folk. The Indians were never friends of black folk. 
The only ones that came close to being friends of black folk were the Seminoles because there was no such thing as a Seminole Indian at that time. But see, the Appalachian and the Creek Indians got together with some black slaves, runaway slaves, and they produced a new tribe of Indians called Seminoles down in Florida. That's how the Seminole tribes came about. That, that Seminole word Seminole meant runaway slave. Now, now here's what should, now watch what happens. Now, so blacks, the so blacks were enslaved. Blacks were enslaved under the, under the constitution, first constitution, all from all way up to uh, all way up to 1857. In 1857, that's that's when the slavery ended officially for black folk. In 1857, because what happened then was a Dred Scott decision. It went to the Supreme Court. A Dred Scott decision says that now black folk are not entitled to anything. They are nothing but three fifths of a human being. They're equal to a field animal. They are indebted and bound by anything. They can't be property owners because they are property. They are property. And then 1857, the Dred Scott decision, that was the end of the, of the first constitution for whites that started in 1859, 1889, and ran to 1857. Now, at that point, that triggered a thing called the Civil War that came about about two years later. That Civil War started in the 1860s. And when that started, you started, that, began, that was the beginning of a second constitution. That was a second constitution. And why, why did that second constitution come about? because there were a few liberal liberal whites called radical Republicans who said that's not right to tell black folk that, that, they, are, that they are nothing but animals, three-fifths of a human being and, not, and their property and not entitled to own property. And so they said, as soon as this war is over, we win, we're going to rewrite it. We're going we're gonna to do something that's totally different, and we're going to call it reconstruction, reconstruction, which means we want you to redo what you've been doing in this, in this society for, against black folk. The reconstruction that if you t- if, if my car gets gets wrecked and I take it to the shop, I say, I want you to restructure, repair, repair, redo it. And that's where reconstruction came in. And reconstruction came in starting in 1865, which means you what you've been doing to black folk was absolutely wrong. And so that's when the second constitution started in 1865. It started with the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment says this, that black folk must be treated in all manners similar to whites, and that white folk cannot misuse them and abuse them anymore. That was the thir- that was the thirteenth amendment, and only and there'll be no more slavery basically unless you've been duly convicted of a crime. And that was the thirteenth amendment, which means whites cannot do things to black folk they wouldn't be doing to other white folk. And since and, and so that was the thirteenth amendment. The fourteenth amendment came out after that, which says that every level of government. Every level of government must exercise all necessary measures to ensure that they're taking, lifting the burdens and legacies off the shoulders of black folk. And that was was strictly and solely for black folk. Why did they say for black folk? Because the Dred Scott decision in 1857 says black people have no rights that white folk are bound to respect. There was nothing in there about handicap, about poor people. There's nothing there about women, gays, transsexuals, midget, one-eyed, one-toed people. It was only poor, not about, about poor whites. The 13th Amendment was strictly for black folk and be, to correct the Dred Scott decision. The 13th Amendment, 14th Amendment came in effect to reverse the Dred Scott decision, period. And then the 15th Amendment came in and gave blacks the right to vote, strictly blacks. That's the only group of people that ever got, got voting rights directly from the government, from the federal government. And that was only black folk. Black folk are exceptional people. They've been treated differently from any people 
in this nation, maltreated, mistreated. They're not like any other group and they should never be put into broad categories like minorities and poor folk, people of color, midgets, humpbacks, women, gays, midgets, anything. They are special people. And so, and so, and that, and that lot that gave black folks priority because how, why did they get priority? Because at the same time they passed what's called a, a, a Freeman Bureau. The Freeman Bureau says that in this Freeman Bureau, we're going to give land that blacks should be able to go to this land after slavery ended in 1864 and 65. When slavery ended, when it ended and the war, civil war ended, you should, there should be land put in there. They said, what land? The land that belonged to all the wealthy, rich whites in the South during slavery. Every white person in the South lost all of his land during the Civil War. Lost all of it. And guess what else lost? The Indians in this country who signed that treaty of New York. They lost all their land because they signed an agreement with Southern whites, Confederates. They signed a Confederate agreement saying, we'll fight with you and support you to maintain slavery because you've taught us that if we get on slaves and we chase them down and bring them back and trade them and sell them, you, we can make money off of them. And so, so Indians then at that point lost all of their land in America. And, but, then, but then here comes Andrew Johnson out of Tennessee and says, well, no, hold a second. Uh, I, I, I'll let, now that Lincoln is dead, uh, I, I'm willing to give amnesty to every white in the South, every white who fought with the Southern Confederacy. I'll give. I'll let you come in if you sign a, a new a new agreement saying that that you will that you are, that you apologize and you will not uh, take up arms against the United States again, and and you sign that pledge. We'll I'll do two things. I'll excuse you from being lynched or shot for 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 for, 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 for creating this war that got all these people killed and and uh, and excited them. Uh, we'll let you off the hook, and we'll let you come back in as a, as citizens, and you can get your land back. Now, when they did that, that was called amnesty. They gave them amnesty. And uh, so they, all the whites got their land back. And they also said, now, these Indians, you know, you, you all, uh, you were supposed to be in a protected class, but, but you went and fought with the South. You're no longer in a protected class. And so now, rather than, having, rather than you saying Indians own everything from California to New York, we're going to end that. You don't own any of that. All we're going to give you now are reservations. We're going to give you a reservation, which means every state would have some land. They'll give you called reservations for you Indians. You must live on reservations from now on because you took up arms against the United States. Now, now here's a great irony, and I'm going to get off this. I'm running a little late on it. Now, what happened now was that Indians then got, Indians then were, had, 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 had free access to anything in the country. But when they took up arms against the United States government, they lost all their land. And every treaty that Indians had ever had from going all the way back to, to New York in the 1516 was rendered null and void. The only, so, and the army there sent, was sent into every reservation saying, take, the, take this thing that we set up for black folk. This is this, this 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, and the, and the 15th Amendment, and, and impose that, saying that based on those laws, that in the future, that the Indians, will, Indians are not included, but they can only have land based on what we gave them on those reservations, period. And black folk are in a special class, and therefore those, res- those, that, those, those, those amendments are strictly and solely for them. And the same thing with the civil rights laws. And so during the, that was called a reconstruction period from 1865 up to 1885. That was, it was about a 10 to 15 year period. And everything in there, that, that, 
that new constitution, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, the civil rights laws were strictly a solely for black folk to reverse. It was put in there to reverse the civil rights laws. I mean, the Dred Scott decision. And here's a question for all your listeners and anybody who picks up this this this, this uh, video and looks at it. it either the, the you know either the new 13th the new civil uh, constitution from from 13, 14, and 15 is still valid. If it's in, uh, or it's not. If it's not valid, then every black in America, except the immigrant blacks, all the native blacks who are here that came here as slaves, they are still under the Dred Scott decision, which they are still equal to field animals, and they and they still only three fifths of a human being. If the if the thirteenth and fourteenth and fifteenth amendment and the civil rights laws were not strictly for black folk, they are still outside. And if it is outside, if they are, if it is valid, then the Indians can't be a part of it. Because all this, all everybody who fought with the South, the Southern, and including those Indians, were excluded. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it. So what happened now is that they've twisted it around and corrupted it. So that now, guess what? That that, that Indians now are using the laws that came in for Black folk and saying, well, uh, uh, and and that, that's why you have to read those treaties that I told you about. They're saying, well, 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 you know, well, what we'll do is that. We, we, we'll go back and recapture some of our old treaties. No, you can't. There's only one treaty. And the only treaty in right now for Indians is the 1866 treaty. And yet Obama and all these other people been given, gave $3 billion to, to Indians while he was in the presidency. And Biden has given them all these kind of money and given resources to Indians. Indians cannot get resources without including black folk. That's the problem, is that they keep giving resources to Indians and denying blacks. And uh, and get away with it because no blacks raise raise hell about it. I got lawsuits to send you. It's illegal. It's unconstitutional. That the thirteenth, twelfth, I mean the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendment and the civil rights law was strictly and solely for black folk. And the and the and the slaughterhouse case in eighteen seventy two said the same thing. That nobody, no group, no cultural group, no racial group, no religious group, no gender group, and no bigender group. Nobody can use those amendments except black people. And yet everything right now on these voting things, they let giving resources to everybody. You cannot give them to give resources to, to immigrants coming into the country. You can't bring in 120,000 Afghanistans and give them money and clothing and food and everything and treat them like they're first class citizens over black folk. And you got that, they got all these black kids all over the country and still aren't getting a damn thing. Nobody's going out giving them anything. But in, if you do, if you give anybody anything, you and 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 I give it to black folk, you're violating the thirteenth and fourteenth and the fifteenth amendment and the civil rights laws, and that is unconstitutional. And black folks should be jamming up the courts. That's why I got court got court suits all over the place, and it's telling black folk wake up and smell the coffee. Don't let people keep mistreating and maltreating you and treating immigrants because they keep going back to the to the eighteen. 90 law, which says, let's bring in immigrants and keep blacks as a permanent minority because, major- because wealth and power follow the ma- follows the majority. And that way blacks will get nothing. If we, keep, if we take everything and put it in a broad category called minorities, poor folk, people of color, and pretend, and pretend somehow that Jews, Arabs, Asians, Hispanics, all these people are, are minorities, are people of color. They ain't no minorities. And anything against those people, so racism. You can only have racism against black people. And black folk can never be a racist because there's a power relationship. It's a group to group phenomena. It's a competitive relationship. The, you black folk cannot be racist. 
and anybody who's who's not passing resources into blacks and making them equal to all these, uh, not even equal to above all these groups. Black folk are supposed to be above all these groups and classified as exceptional people. That's why we had a Freedmen Bureau way back in the, and 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 uh, Andrew Johnson, he closed it down so that he would give all those resources in that bureau to, to local whites, to the Confederacy. They've been shamming blacks and mistreating blacks, just like Biden is doing now, giving everything to everybody but blacks. They give it to white women. They give it to gays, to handicapped, to poor people, and all that. And they give it to people of color. But you all understand this now. Indians are getting all these benefits. That's why I'm in court. And so do these poor people. And, and they put themselves equal to blacks. They're not equal to blacks. Nobody in this country, based on that second constitution, is equal to black folk, nor should they be taking resources that should be going to the black community and dividing it up and dividing it up. That's why right now the affirmative action plan doesn't work. That's why you can't, can't cure racism in America, because most of them don't know what racism is. Racism is a competitive relationship between groups of people or white folks that want to make sure that black folks never improve. That's why nothing will go to black folk. And that's why these viruses are going to kill off more black people than anything else. That's why black folk are not going to have any grocery stores, food stores, begin to get supplies and be a competitive people. That's why when you, when you do vote a candidate and you never get anything. And because by, by 2040 or 2045, they want to eliminate blacks and go back and treat them like Hitler did in 1930, 1932 and 1933 in Europe. That's the bottom line of it, Doc. I can't hear you. Um, sorry about that. Thank you, uh, Dr. Ansa. I appreciate that. Um, that was a great bottom line. And uh, I want to uh, acknowledge Ronnie Fitch. Thank you for your donation. Uh, we appreciate that very much. And uh, also, um, everybody, if you just came in, I'm talking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, he's the author of the books, Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, and Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. If you go to Powernomics.com, if you haven't done it yet, you can get a whole library pack of all five of his books plus a DVD uh, for $99. Uh, what I also suggest is that as the holidays come up, uh, you give your family the gift of knowledge. Uh, we we want this uh this is a gospel. You know, this is the, uh, I believe that uh, black wealth and black economics should be a, a second religion for us as black people, meaning uh, uh, educating our own children, creating our own jobs, supporting black businesses. This is a great opportunity for us to move forward. I, I did not personally move forward to building uh, and taking my own business seriously until I ran into a situation where the white man didn't want me no more. And I don't know if anybody else in here understands that feeling, but uh, I went through the situation when I was at Syracuse where I was getting blackballed and, and I was dealing with racism and all that. And and I look back on that and I say, thank God that they rejected me because if they had not rejected me, I never would have accepted myself. So a lot of times when you're looking for uh, acceptance from other people, it's because you've rejected yourself. You've rejected your own people. That's why you're chasing everybody else, trying to be connected to them in order to feel successful. What I'm saying to you, don't worry about being connected to them. <clears throat> I want you to connect to you. If you connect to you, then that's your best pathway to success. And that's what Dr. Anderson's referring to. Uh, he talked about a lot of issues, uh, things historically, as well as things that are going on right now. And uh, also, I want to mention to everybody that this weekend, actually, Dr. Anderson's participating in a, in a conference uh, that's being hosted in the Black Business School, uh, which was basically a generational wealth conference. Uh, I can send you all a link. You can actually come to this uh, event digitally for free. Uh, a lot of great people are going to be there. <clears throat> Dr. George C. Frazier, uh, Dr. Anderson, 
uh, our hotel mastermind gurus in the Black Business School will be there. And they're going to break down generational wealth. And there's a long list of, of great people, Devon Reeves, uh, Dr. George Frazier, uh, Chosen Ben, uh, Gary Shelton, who's the co-chairman of Strather Affiliated Companies, uh, Sheree Warwick, Dr. Ken Harris, PhD, Gail Perry Mason, the founder of Money Matters uh, for Youth. So if you'd like to join uh, the convention, just get on the email list, go to allblackeconomics.com and sign up. Uh, you'll get a free copy of my book. You'll be on the list. I'm going to send out the link, the invitation to join the conference through that uh, to that list. So get on the list. And that way I'll send you the information. If you have any questions, just email the Black Business School. That's support at theblackbusinessschool.com, support at theblackbusinessschool.com. Okay, so Dr. Anderson, I'll let you get the last word on this. Um, just moving forward, in turn, it almost sounds to me like what you're saying is uh, not only do we have current issues to worry about that we're not as concerned about as we should be, but also you're saying that perhaps to understand the best way to move forward, we got to go back to the past. That we got to go back and deal with the messes that uh, the messes and misconceptions of the past. Uh, like, for example, I don't know about everybody else in here, but I was raised to believe Native Americans were always friends to blacks, no matter what. <laughs> you know, that, that they went through what we went through and they're just like us. And, and now, you know, you it kind of shocked me when you were talking about uh, the fact that they were paid to hunt down slaves and cut the scalps off of our grandparents, great grandparents. And uh, and they would sell those scalps for money. I mean, that sounds terrible. And I, I think that um, that that means that we have to relearn our history and then also form new strategies to move forward. So what would be some parting words you'd like to share on that, Dr. Anderson, in terms of how we could take everything that you shared today and start applying some of this uh, individually and, and as a collective? Well, uh, I'll go back to the first thing I told you about learning how to hold the, every, every political administration, hold them accountable. By, and, and by that saying, fine, I don't want to be a part of you. And because right now you BS to me and, and you told me the sources that there was a barrel of gold at the end of the rainbow and that and, and social integration would make all human beings equal. But at the same time, I found you put a quota system in there saying that basically I don't want to ever have more than 6% of, of the population being black in anything, whether it's in a school or an organization or a business or a neighborhood or a community. I don't want you. That's why right now whites don't move out of one neighborhood and go to a black neighborhood. When they move out of your neighborhood, they move to all white neighborhoods. They want to be with their own people all the time. In terms of money, that's what I tell black folk right now. If I just told you that that, that you that you spend the most, you know, 98% of your money into white communities. Dr. Watson, you would, a person who can't figure this out, IQ couldn't be over seven. Now, if you, if you tell me right now, that, that we spend 98% of our money in white communities, in white businesses, and we only keep 2% of our money in black neighborhood, in black businesses. Anybody know what that means? That means that white people are living off of two incomes because I told you they are boycotting your neighborhoods, boycotting your businesses. No white person is going into a black business putting any money in the cash register. They are boycotting. So now that means that, you know what that means the bottom line when you add it up? Whites live off of two incomes, Dr. Watkins. They live off of two incomes. They live off of 100% of their money and their businesses in their communities and, and live off of 98% of your money that you bring to their communities and their businesses. That means you leave your own communities trying to struggle to survive as a neighborhood to live off of what? 2%. It is humanly impossible. You don't have to have a college education to figure that out. How in the world can you survive off of 2%? 
of, of your of your annual disposable income. That if you've got a, a three a one point three point one one trillion and one at point three million dollars billion dollars passing through your hands uh, annually. Uh, uh, let's see now, and you kind of try to live off of two percent. That means that whites are living off of. 100% of theirs and and, 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 and almost 98% of yours. And how are you going to compete with them? That's how they got to find homes, find neighborhoods. And so nobody's putting the money in your neighborhoods. Why would black folk keep pursuing integration? Because you see, we got all of our social organizations and our political parties telling black folk that the best thing to do is, is, is look for social integration. And I said, no, that's wrong. You should not be looking for social integration. The integration of segregation is not the issue. The issue should be ethno-aggregation. Aggregation. Aggregation means coming together and pooling your resources. Pool your money. Pool your votes. Pool your power. Pool your pool everything you got. Pool your ability to grow and produce. Pool it and, and, and keep it for your own people and make it bounce. And never let it leave your community until it's bounced eight to 12 times. Hispanic, Hispanic money bounces six to seven times. In little, in little Havana, in Mexican town, or, or Hialeah, uh, uh, white money bounces eight to 12 times. Asian and Arab money bounces thir- 12 to 13 times. And Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black money doesn't bounce once. And so that's why they're going to have a job. You don't have any jobs in the businesses because you don't have any businesses to hire them. Start hiring your own people, build your own communities. And don't worry about getting your, you don't need white folks' approval to build your own communities and buy from your own people. If you want to survive, tell your listeners, start treating yourself with greater respect and respect your own people and buy from them and service them and care for them and and protect them before you buy and service anybody else. Uh, All right, everybody. Well, I think those are great parting words. And uh, and I want to say uh, thank you. I hope you'll join me right now in giving a digital thank you to Dr. Anderson. Uh, let him know <clears throat> how much you appreciate him. And I want to remind you that uh, with the blessing of Dr. Anderson and his wife, uh, we, we've, we've declared September to be Powernomics Month. Uh, that is going to uh, be the case for, for now and forever. And uh, And you are the keepers of this legacy. So please make sure that you let your children, let your relatives know that from this point on, for the next thousand years, uh, September will be Powernomics Month. That is the month where we focus on building our own businesses. It's where we focus on building our own wealth. It's where we focus on black economics, black financial security, black family businesses. Anything that's black and financial, uh, Powernomics Month is the month to do that. So uh, and also, if you're not sure about uh, the philosophies in Dr. Anderson's books, uh, we are reading through uh, black labor, white wealth. Uh, every Wednesday night, Dr. Anderson was going to join us last week. He's going. Uh, maybe we can get you there next week if you have time. We'd love to have you. And uh, if you want to join the book club, you can go to blackkeystogreatness.com. The URL is on the screen, and uh, also uh, Dr. Anderson's website. I want to give you the website, and I hope that if you are um, uh, impressed by these uh, the information that he provides, uh, you'll go to powernomics.com. And get some books for your family. Give them out as Christmas gifts. Let's have a Powernomics Christmas. Let's have a Powernomics uh, holiday. Uh, one where in February of next year, we are better off as a people than we are right now. That action depends on us. It depends on us actually doing things and not just talking and thinking things, but doing things. So uh, uh, thank you very much, Dr. Anderson. I appreciate you very much. Okay. And boys, 
uh, tell black folk to always depend on identifying with and wrapping themselves in the second constitution. And don't be playing around that first one that Martin Luther King and the rest of them talk about, about, about all that BS about everybody, all people, you know, got, got human rights and all that. No, the third, that three, 13 through the 15 and the civil rights laws, no immigrants, anybody else will be using those laws. When you hear people talking about they're entitled to this, entitled to that, they're not. If it's not, if it doesn't classify and fall under the on Amendment 1 through 12, then no white, no Asian, no Arabs, no Polynesians, nobody's going to be getting those resources and taking them out of the hands and out of the pockets of black folk. Stand up and say, no, the second, we got two constitutions. The second one is ours. Mm. All right. All right. Well, that's good information for us to have. And uh, just so in case everybody wants to join um, the Generational Wealth Conference that we're having in the Black Business School, uh, it's free to the community. Um, and you can um, I'm going to I'm going to take this URL and that I'm going to redirect that URL. It's going to be B1Wealth.com. If you're watching this live, the URL does not work yet, but it's one that we got uh, for this conference. So uh, what I'll do also is uh, if you go sign up at AllBlackEconomics.com, get on the email list. You'll get a free copy of my book, and I will send you all a direct link if you'd like to join the conference with Dr. Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, Dr. George Frazier, et cetera. The number one mission of the Black Business School, one of the top two or three, is to uh, introduce uh, as many millions of our people and our children to the experts you have in your own community. A lot of y'all went to big white universities. You gave them $100,000, and they taught you how to – they didn't teach you how to build black wealth. They taught you how to build white wealth, and we're not mad at them for that. Uh, but that's that because that's their job. Their job is to enhance the conditioning and the situation of their own people. So uh, what we want to do is do the same thing. We want to enhance the situation of our people. So that's why in the Black Business School, we have probably about uh, about four or five dozen black experts that you probably never saw because these are not the people you'll see on TV. But they are people like Herb Strather and Dr. Anderson and others that are doing extremely well, that are willing to teach their people. And uh, and supporting them is very, very important. So uh, go, go to allblackeconomics.com. Get on the email list. I'll send you a link to the conference that's happening this upcoming weekend. Of course, I'll be there, but I want the experts to talk so you can hear from them. And last but not least, Dr. Anderson's website. I'll put it on the screen as we go out. It's powernomics.com. So God bless everybody. Thank you for listening. Thanks again, Dr. Anderson. It's great to see you, my friend. Thank and, you. Uh, everybody. And All I tell right. them all, good luck on that on that conference. Strather, Herb Strather, and Gary Shelton are two two good people, and I and I bless and wish them the best. And I'll always try to support their business school. All right, all right. So there you go, there you go. There's the endorsement. So everybody, please have a wonderful day. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out, and we will see you all again soon. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you.